Once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Then I jumped on the bandwagon. I'm your host, Aaliyah, and this is Heavy Business, a podcast where we talk to music industry professionals and musicians and learn together about the music industry, marketing, and other tools that can help you promote the music you put so much effort into creating. Hello and welcome. This is Heavy Business. I'm Aaliyah. And I'm Curtis. And today we are joined by the very blue Sanford Parker uh, (laughs) studio engineer, producer, mixer extraordinaire. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. And for our guests who may not be familiar with your work, would you please give a brief summary of who you are and what you do within the metal realms? Uh, I am a um, mostly a producer, uh, recording engineer, mixing engineer. I also uh, I play in bands. I, you know, I played in play guitar, bass, um, a little bit of synth stuff throughout the years. But <clears throat> primarily, uh, I would say I'm a producer as far as that goes. So, d- distinguishing between those roles. Um... I think some people get a little mixed up with it. Um, can you kind of articulate what are, what are the differences between a producer versus engineer versus mixing and mastering for those who aren't totally familiar with that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, <clears throat> used to like a, when recording really, you know, started becoming like its own thing, uh, there was different roles for everything. You had a guy that was a producer and he was the one that would, you know, do everything from like choosing the artist to choosing the song, sometimes writing the song like he, you know, there's a lot of different um, shoes that that person filled. And then you had the guys that would do the technical side, which is plugging in the mics, uh, arranging the musicians in the studio, um, calibrating tape machines. So it was definitely more of like an engineering, um, you, you know, there was a lot of technical stuff behind the curtain as far as like you know what these guys had to know in order to uh to get a session going nowadays it's not like that like everything's mostly anyway is done on a computer as long as you know how to turn a computer on you can you know record a band uh and then the you know like guys like me i i'm helping the bands um from a producer angle as far as like you know, helping them decide what is a good take, what isn't a good take. Um, you know, sometimes I'll offer advice as far as arrangement. Um, not not so much like, like as far as like a writing standpoint, but, you know, if I feel like uh, this part could go longer, it could go shorter, um, you know, stuff like that. And then there's the engineering side, which is me sitting behind a console uh, miking the instruments, hitting record, um, you know, and, and kind of more of like the, the technical side as far as that goes. So now it's like, you know, if you're, if you're an engineer recording a band, you're probably also the guy that's helping produce, um, the band as well. So question, um, about that producing, um, 
with bands, if, if, if they do get a lot of feedback from their producer and that producer's feedback causes them to change the arrangement of a song, what have you, how does that, does that affect like who owns the rights to the song or is it like, or does it not? No, it, um, it's, you know, it's, I definitely like what my involvement is on that end of things is very minimal, you know, and that's like that rarely even happens. If I have a, you know, if I suggest a part goes longer or shorter, that's, that's not like the normal thing. Like usually as far as a producer um, like role that I feel is more like, I think you can do that take better. I think maybe, you know, yeah. if we, if we steered the sound, in this direction versus this direction maybe if we tried this effect and you know instead of this effect maybe this instrument instead of this instrument so on and so forth that's pretty much the extent of like what i would fill in a producer role most of the time you know sometimes it it i get a little more involved but that's that rarely happens i i wanted to follow something up so what is what are the common misconceptions about what you do that bands expect from you when they hire you um i don't know i try to like be pretty upfront with what i'm gonna bring to the table um i get i think sometimes you know they expect me to get a little more involved which i will but usually by the time a band approaches me the songs have already like written they're fleshed out like they're ready to go in the studio and record them so there's not a whole lot that i could bring to the table at that point you know what i mean like i'm not if I had got if they had pulled me in when they were, you know, doing the songwriting, which does happen every once in a while, I have a band that will uh will approach me, you know, like, hey, we're gonna we wanna record an album with you, right? And we're starting the writing process now. If we send you demos as as we go along, will you give us some feedback as far as like, you know, some arrangement ideas and stuff like that? That rarely happens these days usually the band comes to me with the songs like pretty much already done so they don't really expect too much you know for me uh, as far as that point what they do expect is for me to be like you know um that was a good take but i feel like you could do it stronger if you approached it this way you know and uh and and like that like i that's pretty much the extent of it nowadays so i think like usually if a band comes to me they pretty much know what to expect from me and and then if they don't i'm i try to be as upfront as as i can as far as like what i'm going to bring to the table just so everybody's on the same page and you know there's no confusion fair enough that kind of leads me into another question which is so how do you kind of break like what happens like you say i think you could have done done a better job in that take band doesn't agree how does this kind of work so it doesn't blow up? Well, I mean, it's their record, right? So sure. ultimately it's, you know, what they want, you know, if, if they are completely fine with that and I disagree, then, you know, it's not up to me, you know, basically sure. I, I'll suggest things, but it's not my record. You know, at the end of the day it's theirs, it's their name on it. Um, or they're, they have the biggest name on it anyway. Yeah. So whatever they want, you know, is what goes, um, I'm just there to, to offer suggestions, whether they take it or not, that's totally out of my hands. Fair enough. I was always curious about that. Um, so do you think that, hmm, like, do you think that bands 
more bands should consider bringing in a producer in the songwriting phase? Or are there certain signs that maybe a band should consider that? Uh, I'm, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like really like um, per basis, you know. Uh, yeah, case by case basis. Yeah. Yeah. Cause some, some bands, you know, definitely don't need any outside opinions. Um, and then some bands yeah. benefit from it. So it really, I guess, just kind of depends on the band themselves. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. that I, I ask because I think there are a lot of bands that kind of are being held back by their um maybe their their songwriting is good, but it's not quite there. And right. like they don't maybe they don't realize it. But I guess that's their own business to realize that and seek it out if they want to. Yeah, to the next exactly. Level. Yeah, I mean, if they're if they feel like they sh could benefit from an outside perspective, then yeah, by all means, you know, I I I encourage it. But um, I feel like I don't I you know I I guess like I feel like most bands know what they want. You know, they're they want to know like they know how they're getting there. They they know their process of songwriting. So it's just you know it's just trial and error at that point. They do something it works cool it doesn't then they know not to try that next time so now what's the qualification process if you have one for taking on clients or will you just basically be like i'll work with you doesn't matter or how does it go i mean i try to only work with um with bands that i i enjoy you know um sometimes it doesn't work out like that for one you know reason or another but Usually the qualification for me is I if a band approaches me, I'll have them send me, you know, demos like whatever they have, even if it's an iPhone recording in their practice space, whatever. I'll have them send me whatever they have available. And then just based on that, I'll decide if I want to work with it or not. You know, sometimes like if I'm not necessarily like interested in the music itself, but I feel like the the artists, the musicians are are really somebody I'd want to work with or there's something about about the band or about the music or that just you know piques my interest and and I'll I'll take it on but usually it's if I if I like it cool if I don't then I'll usually pass fair enough um now okay so what's the steps then for a band to work with you then if you can just kind of lay it out like someone wants to get someone listening to this they want to work with you what should they do uh well you know they they would uh, reach out um we would establish uh you know like a general timeline you know and it also depends on how far along they are in in the process so if they have the songs ready like they're they've got them they're rehearsed they're tight they're ready to go in the studio tomorrow then you know whatever my next availability would be then you know we would schedule it for that if they're just reaching out to try to get a timeline maybe they're you know they've got a, a set budget so they're trying to find someone that can work with that then uh then we'll put like in a you know like okay if they start writing or where they are in the process maybe in six months they'll be ready to record so let's you know, try to schedule something around then. Um, and then once we get the, the scheduling part sorted out, then I'll request for them to send demos and we'll go back and forth with that. If there's anything that I feel like 
um, they sh could benefit from like now, you know, maybe, maybe I feel like um, just based on the demos, um, a couple songs, the tempos could be a little faster. They could be a little slower, you know, I'll suggest that. Or if I feel like um, maybe the guitar tone is like not really working for what they're going for, I'll suggest maybe trying uh, this other amp or, you know, depending on what they have available too. you know, if, if I'll ask what instruments they have and then we'll kind of go through and decide what we feel like is going to work best for uh, for this particular recording. And then, you know, as it gets closer to the dates, uh, I'll keep I'll have them send me update demos, you know, more more um, recent stuff. And then we'll just kind of go from there until until we meet up in the studio. Since uh, Ali, I have one more follow-up question on this before your next one. Um, so now, what would be some sort of red flags that would keep you from wanting to work with the band, even if the music sounded good, just out of curiosity? Um, just they're not ready. You know, if I feel like just based on the demos along, if they're just not, that they don't have the songs tight enough, if they're just not ready to go into the studio, then um to me that's a huge red flag because that's just going to waste not only my time but it's going to waste their time it's going to waste their budget so it's better to be you know say hey let's just postpone it for a few months you guys tighten up these songs get the material down better and then that way it'll the recording process is going to go so much smoother so do you often excuse me, do you often get bands sending you like parts? Like say they send the guitar parts, but they want to record the vocals in the studio or what have you. Do you kind of get that um, that process happening a lot nowadays or do you accept that process? Yeah, um, so that's becoming way more common. Um, you know, sometimes uh, they'll come in with all the tracks and I just mix it. Like see, a lot of times, like I majority of my work now is mixing. I would say probably 70, 80% of what I'm doing now is just mixing. Like I don't ever even meet these bands. Um, they send me the tracks. I mix them. We go back and forth, um, you know, via email or maybe we'll do a Skype thing or whatever. And then when they sign off on the mixes, I send them off to mastering and that's it. Um, as far as tracking. Uh, yeah. I like a thing that I've been doing a lot lately is, they'll we'll go to a studio and record the drums you know we'll go to a, a full um multi-track you know studio mic all the drums up have them record either to a scratch guitar or like a, a, a scratch guitar take or you know like a couple um scratch instruments and a click or, or whatever we'll do all we'll track the drums do all the editing clean everything up and then they leave with the drum tracks and then they can go home. Cause I mean, you know, tracking bass and guitar nowadays is so easy with, um, with plugins and stuff. So they can go home and, and track all of that. And then, you know, they'll send me their final guitar versions, maybe even vocals. Um, another thing that's kind of common now is they'll track the guitars on their own and then we'll come in with just their DI and then we'll reamp um, the guitar bass at, at my studio or another studio or whatever. And then we'll track vocals to that. So it's there's a lot of different variations as far as like 
what how far I, I'm involved on records nowadays. You know, it's not like it was even like 10 years ago where the band would just come in and we would track everything and then we'd mix it and then they would go home. You know, now it's like, like I was saying, sometimes I don't even meet these guys in person. You know, it's only via email. So it's it's, it's changed a lot for sure. Yeah. Um, you, I was listening to you on another podcast and you mentioned um, the bedroom producers and YouTube guru type people giving advice on home recordings and a lot of them don't know what they're talking about. So <laughs> <laughs> I wondered if you could share some of the worst advice that you've heard on YouTube for home recording. I mean, it, you know, it's it's mostly just like technical stuff. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, it's and it all kind of stems from like these guys just, you know, like the the big thing now is to emulate hardware and, and, and plugins, right? So the, there's companies that will take vintage equipment and they'll emulate it down to like, you know, it, it looks exactly the same. It's just like a smaller version of, of the hardware. And I don't know, I just see a lot of videos of these guys that uh, they talk, they basically are just regurgitating whatever they read and, you know, in a post or something. And it's just like, it, but they don't really know what they're talking. They're not, they don't know why it's it's happening. You know what I mean? They're like, if you turn this knob, this is the result you get, but they don't know why you get that result. And there's a lot of like miscommunication as far as like what's actually happening. And I think that's bad. You know, that's, they can give a lot of bad advice because um, you can apply, you know, what you learn to one piece of equipment oftentimes can be applied to another piece of equipment just because the the way the the basic technology between the two are are pretty close, you know, they're close enough anyway. But you need to understand what's happening. You know, when you turn a knob, you need to know why is it doing this to to my guitar, my snare, you know, not just like not that it's just happening it's just magically happening and i think that's a lot of like people just don't really think about that anymore because they don't they don't understand like they've never touched the hardware they've never touched the, touched the piece of gear that this thing is emulating and so they they're basically just going off of like what you know somebody posted on some forum or or whatever you know but they just don't understand why it's doing that and i think that that kind of leads into the other thing that came up on that podcast I wanted to dive into was uh, you talked a bit about the sort of non-committal never finished mentality that results from digital recording um what do you think like I just really liked what you had to say about that so could you maybe speak a bit about that um and and how that affects like people's ability to make decisions and commit to sound. Well, it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier. Well, um, you know, people are these guys are recording guitars and and bass in their in their basement or living room or bedroom or whatever, and then they send me the uh, the DI tracks. But it gets to a point where they like send me a, a DI. And then a long list of what this should sound like, you know, like, oh, it needs it should have this type of distortion and 
and then it needs delay and and, it, and reverb and all this stuff and i'm just like why don't you just do it yourself you know like um and their answer is always well i figured you would have better gear but i don't like everybody that's the thing with with modern recording now is everybody has the same plugins everybody like I, you go yeah. you go to a million dollar studio and they have the same exact plugins that this guy has in his bedroom right so it's the same shit maybe i you know there might be better amps or whatever but um to me it's more important to like get the sound and get it at least get it as close as you can with what you have and that way you've got a reference you know so if you if you do really feel like what i have is better than what you have at least record a, a reference of what you want and not just send me a di with a long list of what this should sound like i mean that's just gonna we're gonna just be running in circles trying to figure this out you know so like at least, you know, if you don't have the exact gear that you want to get the sound that you want, at least get a reference that's close enough. And then you can send that off to the the guy you're working with and say, okay, this is what I want. Can you make this exact idea, but just a better quality of it, you know, a better version? Huh. So so you would prefer that than, for example, take sending you a song from another band whose sound they like and ask you to emulate that sound. Or I mean, that works too. Yeah, that, that totally works too. I mean, I ask for that a lot, you know, I, I, I try to get as much references going in um, as I possibly can. Even like, even the band's rough mix, you know, if, if they've been tracking all this stuff on their own and uh, they want to send it to me to mix it then you know send me your rough mix send me the mix that you've been listening to because um yeah you know the mix that i end up doing will most likely sound better than that but at least i can kind of get an idea of where your your head's at you know i can understand like oh you want uh this one guitar track you know this like weird lead guitar that comes in one time in the song you want it pan to the right and then tuck down a little bit you know, but I would have no idea. Yeah, I'm just sitting, I'm seeing a track of this part that, you know, happens once in the song. So I don't know what, what the reference is. I have no backstory on it, you know? So yeah, just by getting their rough mix as bad as it is or whatever, at least that'll give me an idea, you know, at least a starting point to where I know like, okay, well, roughly this is where they want that track to sit. That's a good point. That's a really good point um i wanted to ask something just super quick do you ever do you ever have it where the band just tries to give it all to you where you make all the decisions and how do you handle that as so <laughs> yes uh that happens quite often um even to a point where they will send me five uh vocal takes and be like okay you know you choose the one you think is best <laughs> i'm like nice. no man that's not how that works you know i was like i don't know you guys at all right i and i've never even met you in person i'm not gonna sit here and try to figure out which vocal track you like you know um you you decide make make the judgment you know like just sit down take the extra five minutes and go through all your vocal tracks and to figure out which one has the best verse you know and then go with it send me that don't send me five versions of it because i don't want it i'm just gonna you know 
I don't have time to like sit here and, and go through all these tracks. Like you, when you send, when a, when a session gets sent, when you send tracks off to get mixed, I should be able to pull the faders up and get a balance. And that's like 50% of the mix right there. You know what I mean? I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to add a plug in to anything before I can even balance it in, in the mix. You know, I should be able to just pull the faders up and get a good balance and hear the song immediately, like within the first two minutes of me getting the track, you know, I should be able to get like a, a pretty okay, decent mix going like right away. I shouldn't have to add a bunch of plugins and all this other stuff to even like begin to hear what the song sounds like. Sounds like you've had a few horror stories like this. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's never, nothing has ever been like, horrible it's just uh it's just a process and um you know it's just all time consuming it's just it's just unnecessary time that i'm spending trying to like you know navigate uh what these tracks are when i could be actually mixing the song you know so just to kind of follow up on that what are some things that bands should be prepared for before they get to you that you haven't covered so far well you should have you should have the arrangements sorted like first and foremost that should be the number one thing don't don't uh leave it up to the mixing guy to figure out your arrangements do the arrangements on your own uh you should know which takes are usable and which aren't if they're not get them the fuck out get rid of them they shouldn't be in there uh, clean up noise, man. I'm always surprised, like, if I'll get a track and there's just, like, you know, between, you know, if there's, like, a guitar that's only playing on the choruses, during the parts that's not playing, it's just a bunch of amp noise and hiss and all this crap. And I got to no. go through and edit all that out, you know? It's like, Wild. yeah, that's, that blows my mind because I'm like, you're seriously have been tracking to this, these songs with this and you're just like listening to this amp noise over and over and over again every time you run another pass you're hearing this amp noise delete it man like just get rid of it you know like i'm constantly like as soon as i track a guitar i instantly go in and i get rid of all the noise immediately that's the first thing i do because i don't want you know i don't want to have to hear that every time i i hit play on it and it just blows my mind that like people don't take the time to like just go through and just edit that crap out. You know, it doesn't need to be there. Um, so yeah, clean up your tracks, organize them well. Uh, labeling, labeling's huge. You know, that's that's always a, a process. You know, I have no idea what, you know, audio one, what the hell is audio one? I don't know what that is. You know, I have to sit here and listen to it and try to figure out, oh, it's a guitar track. Um, you know, just common sense to me, like it's... Uh, but yeah, I'm always surprised like how some of these sessions I get and is is pretty wild. Quick question about uh similar, but this is definitely an opinion thing. Well, I think it is an opinion thing. Vocals, breaths in or out? Uh I usually take them out because uh it can come back to bite you in the ass. And I've had it bite me in the ass too many times to count really how so um well because once you hear a breath you can't unhear it right 
So when you listen to a song and uh, there is like a, a breath and like, you know, right before the, the chorus kicks in, every time you hear that song from then on out, you're going to hear that breath. And sometimes it can get to a point where it's distracting, you know? Um, so it depends, you know, like obviously if, it's a very like intimate vocal performance and you're trying to capture like one person in a room, like singing, then you want to, you want to keep it natural and you want to keep the breaths in there. But uh, more than not, I would just get rid of them because you're not going to miss them when they're gone. But once you hear it, you're going to hear it every time. And it's just going to drive you insane. I can vouch for this. I had a Skid Row song ruined for me because of that. Yeah, it I happens, can't remember man. which one it was, but it was just like I can't unhear it again. And I, just I like... dude, I've I've heard so many songs that it, yeah, it's just like every time that part comes up, I hear that breath, and I'm just like, ah, if you could have just taken two seconds to delete it, you know, it would have been so awesome. Yep. Um, I had a follow up, and now I forgot because I had to say that. Sorry, Leah. Go ahead. <laughs> um. So if everybody has like the same plugins at home, what's worth recording in the studio? Um, I mean, drums are obviously the biggest thing. You know, I, I know there's like superior drums and all that stuff that sound pretty awesome. Um, but it's not to me, it's just not a real drummer, you know, and you can tell like you can tell when it's when it's not a guy in a room playing drums. Um so drums, drums are always the hardest thing to fake, you know, and and uh, and a plug in. So yeah, that that I would put at the top of the list. I would say bass is probably the easiest thing to get away with um, using plugins. Uh, guitar man, like five years ago, I would have told you get you know guitar plugins suck, but I can't say that now. Like they've gotten so good, um, and I, I even use them uh, on my stuff. I. You know, if there's like if a band sends me a DI plus if they if they, re, you know, recorded an amp version, but also recorded a DI at the same time. um, And I think the amp is good, you know, and I'm using it, but there's like a part of a song needs just a little more like ass to it or a little more punch. Uh, I'll throw an amp sim on it and just, you know, mix it in, dial it in. You know, instead of like setting up an amp and micing it and, and tracking yeah. it, you know, sometimes it's just easier just to throw an amp sim on. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the the get where where they're at with guitars now is is pretty well. Pretty yeah, crazy. with the vocals, do you think that people can record them pretty easily at home? Uh, as long as they yes and no. Um, I people. If you don't understand like the you know the basic understandings of a compressor and you try to use one you can ruin a vocal take like absolutely ruin it and there's nothing you can do after that you know because it's, it's recorded in there if you don't use a compressor when you track vocals uh that's almost as hard as having one track poorly with a compressor you know um okay it's definitely it it really helps to know what you're doing when you're tracking vocals for sure. Um, Cause it can, it can, it can, you can mess it up real easy for sure. Um, I had a slightly off topic question for you. So when do you, when do you think a band 
is actually ready to reach out to someone like you because you you've got some stuff under your belt you've got some names under your belt so when is a band actually ready to reach out to someone like you versus like a lesser known person uh whenever i mean i i work with like small bands all the time you know some of my favorite records that i've ever done nobody's ever heard yeah like um so yeah it, it to me it doesn't matter like uh the local band down the street is just as good as the the band selling out arenas you know um so yeah whenever man uh you know as long as you're you know you've got the songs tight and you're ready to go then yeah hit me up if you're willing to say what type of budgets should a band be looking at to spend when they're working with you approximately i had all over the place it really depends you know um i've i i work in studios that are as little as 200 a day uh i work in studios that are are as much as 2000 a day um it depends on you know it really it mostly depends on what you want the end result to be and and well first foremost it depends on like what type of band you are what sound you're going for if you're going for like a super raw band in a room everybody playing live then you know you can get away with a a smaller budget if you're wanting to get like a super produced like super tight sound um you're gonna need to spend more money you know it's just that's just the way it is and there's no way you can get around it you know people try to cheat the system but they can't it's like if you want to sound a certain way you got to put the money in you got to put the time in you know if you if you're not so much concerned about that and one is neither good or bad. You know, I've some of my favorite records were recorded in one day for like $300, you know. Um, and then I some of my records were recorded for like half a mil. So it is really depends on, on what you want, on what the end result is. What do you think a band is looking for when they hire you? I, well, you know, I'm, I'm hoping they, they're looking for someone that you know, has a, a good ear, um, and that can offer something that they can't really on their own, you know, like a new, a different perspective, something that they wouldn't have thought of, you know, so they come to me and I'm hoping I can be the guy that, that fills that void, you know, that, that offers up something that they wouldn't have they would have missed or it isn't in their wheelhouse or you know um just yeah or just a good time maybe some really bad jokes i don't know whatever (laughs) i have one last question and we're running out of time malia but you actually brought this up sanford so what makes somebody have a good ear uh experience you know how do you get that uh, years and years and years of doing it. <laughs> That's really the only way you can, you know. I mean, some people have a better understanding and you know a better knack for audio than others. But at the end of the day, it's like with anything, you know. I'm not gonna pay a guy to build a house for me that's been doing it for two days versus a guy that's been doing it for thirty years. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's just experience, man. I've I've been doing this for over 20 years, so I hope that I know what I'm doing at this point, you know, but I'm still learning, you know, I, I am no way a master at what I, at what I do. Um, I just know a lot of what not to do at this point, 
because I've I've made all those mistakes. So how did you kind of learn in the beginning then, I guess? Um just uh I just got my foot in a door and and just learn, you know, like I I insisted uh I was interning and then I, I was assistant at a studio for a bit and then I uh had the opportunity to run my own studio. Uh I had no idea what I was doing, but I was I I wasn't gonna say no, so I just did it and I figured it out, you know. And uh, I made a lot of mistakes, but um, I learned a lot. And to me, that's like the best way to. I won't say no to anything. I'll figure out how to do it. You know what I mean? Like, um, like I I kind of got into film scoring recently, and I didn't know how to. And you know, when I was asked to score a film, I had no idea. What, what the fuck to do to score a film but i figured it out and the director and the producers love what i did they loved us loved me so much so they hired me to do another one you know we should talk about that for a second since we haven't can you tell us about that uh so yeah i, I uh during the pandemic um long story short the uh the director lost his uh composer um it had something to do with uh uh, it was pandemic related. I know that I can't remember all the details, but anyway, I was suggested by an old friend of mine that was uh, the uh, he was a cinematographer for the for the movie, and uh, the director was looking for someone. So my friend suggested me. He called me. You know, we had a discussion. We kind of hit it off. He told me what he wanted. I sent him some stuff to check out. He loved it, so he hired me to to do the film. And that one came out, it's called The Inhabitant. Uh, that came out October of last year, so 2022. And then he immediately uh, went into production for a new film called You're Killing Me. And he hired me again to score that one. And that one comes out uh, April 7th, so in like three weeks. Um, so that that's the second uh, feature that I've done. And now he's starting production on a third film that uh, he wants me to to do that one as well. So I'm hoping that, you know, this is like something that I could possibly make into a career and, and do more of this stuff. That'd be awesome. It's a be lot really of fun. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of the dreams. It's like to be able to do that and be in that industry. It's such a great, it's a great opportunity. Yeah. And it's, it's so much fun for me because I've, you know, it gives me a chance to be creative, you know, like working with a band, you know, there's, I'm, there's certain parts of it that I can get creative, but for the you know, most of it, I'm just trying to make this other person's vision come true. You know what I mean? Um, so with, with film stuff, it's like, I can go nuts and I can create, you know, whatever I want. I've got like all these crazy things in my studio that make weird noises and I get to use them and it's awesome. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, I think that's about all we have time for today. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting to us. And yeah, um, yeah I learned a lot. And I hope Same. everyone listening did too. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, everyone listening, until next time, make like a bull and throw those horns up. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please help spread the word by following or subscribing to us, recommending it to your friends, or leaving us a review on your platform of choice. 
Thank you for listening to Heavy Business, brought to you by C-Squared Music.